This is AgriPulse Daybreak for Friday, September 4th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Dowley. Here's today's headlines. CFAP 2 rollout set. EPA reforms on Trump's second term agenda. And state ag officials target racism. Purdue preps for CFAP 2 and disaster aid. Farmers should find out next week about a new round of coronavirus relief payments, and there could be some additional aid in the works for farmers hit by natural disasters this summer. Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue told reporters in Iowa yesterday he plans to announce the rules for the payments ahead of next Friday's deadline for enrolling in the first round of the coronavirus food assistance program. USDA doesn't need to go back to Congress for authority to make additional CFAP payments because the department has money on hand to make them under the Commodity Credit Corporation Authority. But Purdue said USDA will need to get authority from Congress to provide disaster aid, possibly under a new round of last year's WIP Plus program. He told reporters the department is providing lawmakers the information they'll need in crafting disaster provisions that could be included either in a new COVID aid bill or in a continuing resolution that will be needed to keep the government operating after October 1st. By the way, Purdue confirmed that the CFAP 2 payments would cover producers' pandemic-related losses from April 15th through the end of the year. Democrats want answers on CFAP denials. Four Democratic members of the Senate Ag Committee are demanding answers as to why some producers have been left out of CFAP 1. Many growers, quote, have received conflicting or confusing explanations and are seeking further information as to why they were deemed ineligible, especially given that many have already suffered or continue to suffer economic impacts due to reduced demand from schools, restaurants, farmers, markets, processors, and export and retail markets, the senators say in a letter to Secretary Purdue. The senators, led by Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, argued that many producers have received conflicting and confusing explanations about why they were denied access to CFAP. Vilsack to Biden supporters, rural voters critical. Former Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack last night kicked off the first of a series of rural phone bank events that the Biden campaign is holding between now and Election Day. During the online event, Vilsack warned the Biden supporters that big GOP margins in rural areas could more than offset Democratic strength in the suburbs. Last night's phone bank was directed at rural Minnesota, and Vilsack put in a pitch for House Ag Chairman Colin Peterson, who faces a tough re-election race in the 7th District. Vilsack briefly outlined Biden's farm policy proposals and attacked President Donald Trump's handling of the renewable fuel standard. Biden, quote, has stood with farmers as opposed to Trump, who has broken his promise to farmers, Vilsack said. Trump's second term, reforms to pesticide oversight. EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler used a speech yesterday to outline the priorities a second Trump administration would pursue when it comes to environmental regulation. 
One of EPA's goals in a second-term Trump administration would be to develop a holistic pesticide program, Wheeler said in an address at the Nixon Presidential Library in California. He said the public and the media tend to focus too much on individual pesticide decisions, which has left the American public uninformed on our science-based process. We will take into account biotech advances and better examinations of new active ingredients, he said. A proposed release this week, Wheeler said, would remove onerous and expensive regulation of gene-edited plant protectants. In addition, he said EPA will safeguard pollinators and support the agriculture industry. Environmental groups have criticized and sued the agency for approving pesticides they say are harmful to pollinators. Keep in mind, EPA this week proposed a plan to streamline the approval process for crops that are genetically engineered to resist pests. NASDA commits to attacking racism. The nation's state agriculture officials are committing themselves to improving diversity and combating racism in agriculture. During their annual meeting this week, members of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture adopted a new policy committing the group to inclusion, outreach, and engagement to embrace diversity within the agriculture sector and to combat racism in all forms. The group also approved a policy supporting the use of rural economic development funding for rural-to-urban ag development projects. Other policies address the importance of specialty crops and support significant congressional funding and economic incentives to increase U.S. meat and poultry processing capacity and competition. The bottom line? The new diversity and inclusion policy says NASDA believes that the future of agriculture is best served when all those in the agriculture community are empowered regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, and or religious creed. New NASDA president eyes food and security needs. State ag officials are also looking for some additional help from Congress to deal with the ongoing impact of the pandemic. Ryan Quarles, Kentucky's Ag Commissioner and the new president of NASDA, says any aid should be, quote, as locally tailored as possible. We think there's going to be an increased need for food and security efforts heading into the fall and over the winter, he said. NASDA supported a bill introduced by Senator Tammy Baldwin, a Wisconsin Democrat, that would give states a billion dollars in food and agriculture aid. U.S. ethanol exports declined in July, but DDGs were up. July was a weak month for U.S. ethanol exports, according to an analysis by the Renewable Fuels Association. Net exports for the month totaled just 63 million gallons, down from 68 million the month before and continuing a downward trend as COVID-19 pandemic spread throughout the globe. Net U.S. exports spiked to 172 million gallons in February, but have continued to steadily fall. Some foreign ethanol export markets like Canada are bucking the trend. U.S. sales to Canada totaled 30.1 million gallons in July, a 10% increase at a high point so far for the year, according to RFA. July was a strong month for exports of U.S. distillers' grains. 
Exports of the animal feed product reached 1.08 million metric tons for the month, a 23% increase from June and a 30% increase over July last year, according to RFA. China's U.S. wheat purchases rise in August. China's wheat purchases have picked up steam in August, according to new data released yesterday by the USDA's Ford Agriculture Service. China bought 250,800 metric tons of U.S. wheat in the fourth week of August, pushing the monthly total of purchases to 588,300 tons. China isn't normally a major purchaser of hard red winter wheat, but Kafka, a state-owned importer, has been buying hundreds of thousands of tons of it, according to U.S. Wheat Associates. That's why the group has been working with the company and local millers in recent weeks to demonstrate the benefits of hard red winter wheat flour, as well as blends with hard red spring and soft white wheat, to make hamburger buns, baguettes, croissants, pizza dough, noodles, and other products. Here's today's He Said It. I have the heart of a farmer as a farm boy. It's sad, somber, sobering. It's heartbreaking for the people who put their sweat, blood, and tears into the crop to produce it. That Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue commenting on the storm damage he saw in Iowa yesterday. Well, that's Daybreak for this Friday, September 4th. Brought to you by Watkinson Miller and Dairy Management Incorporated. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Alley.